Buffalo, what's going on? It's your boy DM3. That's right. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Wednesday, midweek mindset. I am back. I got married over the weekend. Everything's great. So we're here. We got a lot to talk about. I see a lot of the usual suspects already in the room. Two things I got to do first. I got to give mad props to my guy Bam Mott for that dope intro lyrics that he dropped for me. And I got to give a shout out to my guy Cam, who was able to hook me up with Bam. So that's the intro. It's fire. You guys are going to love that. That's going to be me going forward. So I appreciate everybody spending some time with me on a Wednesday night. There's a lot going on, believe it or not. And yes, we are going to talk about the man known as JJ Watt. A lot of stuff flying all over social media. There's a lot of stuff flying all over Twitter. There's a lot of stuff flying all over Instagram, Facebook, all the social media outlets, all of the national uh, sports outlets are talking about it. Um, if you guys haven't smashed the like button, if you just got in the room, if you're watching on Facebook, smash. If you're watching on YouTube, smash. If you're watching on Twitter, smash, smash, smash. Let's get this algorithm of all these social media platforms pumping out some built in Buffalo content. And that way we can interact with as many people as possible. I'm going to give some shout outs real quick because the chat is already starting to blow up. My guy, Jamie Osgood, what's going on? Pat's Nation. He was first. Pats Nation, we gotta we gotta do better, Bills Mafia. We got a Pats guy who was first in the room, but I appreciate the support, man. Uh, Nelson Hernandez, what's going on, Mister Wick? Oh no, what's going on, man? Ronald Enix in the house, my guy who made that dope intro for me, my guy Bam right there is in the house. Let's go, uh, A Rich in the house. What's going on, man? All right, everybody's here, everybody's ready. I'm gonna do a show every week breaking down each positional group heading into free agency. Um, I'm going to try to get them all out before the draft. I'm going to try to get them all out before we actually hit the actual league year in the middle of March. 
Um, I'm going to try to go position by position. And I wanted to start with defensive end slash edge because if you guys watch any of the season-ending press conferences, whether it be Brandon Bean, whether it be Sean McDermott, whether it be Leslie Frazier, they all had a common theme. We have to get to the quarterback. And then, lo and behold, a little over a week and a half ago, what did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do to the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes? They were all over him all game long. They had the best scheme called for that game. Now, a lot of people were going to say, well, let's look at what we did to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens just, you know, just a week before. We were able to keep him in check and things. Two different quarterbacks, all right? As athletic as Lamar Jackson is, Patrick Mahomes is on a completely different level. So whether it be the scheme or whether it be just an outstanding, you know, game called by Tampa, you know, they have the athletes to do it. They have the guys on that defense on their front four and in their linebackers to create pressure whenever they want. They did so many things to get Patrick Mahomes running for his life. I believe he ran for close to 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage throughout that game in the Super Bowl. And it worked, and they held they held Patrick Mahomes to nine points. He didn't even throw for a touchdown pass. They didn't run for a touchdown pass. They got three field goals. So, David Highland, what's going on, man? Ishmael Valentine, what's going on, man? Lone Wolf is in the house. Here we go. Let's start it off right here. How much money for what and how long if the Bills sign him? I don't think we do, though. So, I was just on social media before I came on here. And if you guys follow Cover One, Greg Tomset does a great job. And he put a tweet out there. And I'm not sure that the timing of it or the, the date of it, but JJ Watt is very active on social media, especially on Twitter, right? So he had a ton of Houston Texans fans that were saying, thank you for your time in Houston. We love what we did for the city. We love all the stuff when you helped us through the hurricane days, all that stuff, right? And he liked all those posts. He liked all those tweets. And then you had all these players from different teams around the NFL that were kind of shooting your shot if you will, shooting their shot, if you will, you know, Hey, come here. Hey, come here. Love to have you team up here. The only tweet that he liked, and I know that I'm, I'm conspiracy theorist right now, but the only tweet that he liked was from none other than Stefan Diggs saying, Hey, let me talk to you for a minute, big fella. That's the only tweet he liked read into that. What you want. People want to talk about the, the anniversary video that JJ Watt posted of his wife. She's eating Buffalo wings. He posted a thing saying that free agency is wild, wild wings, all this stuff, right? So I'm going to break down some guys that are free agents because if we are going to in, improve our pass rush, we can't look for middle-of-the-road fill-in guys. We also have to look at our own roster and say, do we have guys currently under contract that are willing to take the next step this year. Now there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that went into this season. A lot of people want to talk about the fact that there was no off season. There was no training camp. There was no preseason. A lot of people want to talk about that stuff. So I'm going to break all that down. I'm going to hit the comment section real quick because I, as I'm talking to the camera, the comment section to my right is just blown up again, smash the like. If you're watching wherever you are, if you're on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, please smash, smash, smash. So let me catch up. Uh, a rich right here. Come home, come home, JJ, come home. Uh, I got to get a let's go mafia from Joseph Owen. What's going on? So let's talk about the man that seems to be what's on everybody's radar right now. Everybody's talking about, you know, JJ Watt, right? So 
let's let's talk about JJ Watt for a minute because I've I've got five guys that are free agents that aren't bills that I want to talk about. I'm not saying that we're going to be able to land all of these guys, any of these guys. I'm just throwing out guys that are willing to make an immediate impact on this on this roster as far as defensive end. So you talk about JJ Watt. All right, he's 31 years old. When the season starts, he'll be 32. Okay, so we know defensive ends sometimes can play up into their, you know, 33, 34, 35 age range, right? A couple of things that are concerning, right? He missed he missed eight games in 2019. He played all of last year, but he missed eight games in 2019. Um, he's missed a total of 32 games over the last five seasons. So that's a little concerning, right? That's a little concerning. Um, I will say, however, I feel like the training staff, the facility that we have, the methods that the Bills, you know, are, are using, uh, are, are working. We saw what Cole Beasley was able to do. Now, if that's more of the man than the staff because he was willing to tough it out, that's fine. But we saw Josh Allen play with a separated shoulder. He didn't play great, but he played. We saw guys uh, after 2019 like Jerry Hughes and uh, Ed Oliver and John Feliciano, these guys had surgeries that they played through the season with. So I feel like we have a good medical staff, um, and I feel like that bazillion-dollar facility that they have over at One Bills Drive has to be something for an aging veteran that might be key because when Cole Beasley came here, he was tweeting out left and right, hey, Dallas, you didn't get nothing on this training facility that they have here in, here in Buffalo. It, it's insane. So that could be a positive. Um one thing that I will talk about is that Mario Addison is older than J.J. Watt. Now, you look at the production from last year, it's it's very similar. J.J. Watt had five sacks, Mario Addison had seven, so it's very, it's very similar. But I do believe that J.J. Watt instantly is the best defensive lineman on this team if he's signed, instantly. Now, again, I'm not going to say that we're going to sign him or not. I'm not going to read the tea leaves. I'm not going to read between the tweets. I'm not going to do all that stuff. But I instantly think that he becomes the best, most athletic, maybe besides Jerry Hughes, um, of our defensive ends. So I'm going to show you guys something real quick. And I want I want a reaction after you guys see this. Because this is from this past season, uh, the Houston Texans versus the Baltimore Ravens. And just, just watch J.J. Watt. All right. This is against Lamar Jackson, you know, probably the most athletic quarterback in the NFL. And J.J. Watt was able to catch him off guard for not just one sack, but as you'll watch the next play, he's going to get him again, right? Nowhere to go, J.J. Watt. That's, that's all athleticism right there. And that was this past season. That was in 2020. So... That speaks volumes right there. I, I just think everybody's talking about Cleveland, right? Everybody's talking about Green Bay. Everybody's talking about Chicago. I just I think the culture fit in Buffalo and what they're doing and what they did this past year is a perfect fit for J.J. Watt. I absolutely just think that he would fit in with the players already on the roster. I think that he can get behind a quarterback like Josh Allen. I think that Sean McDermott would be an absolute just – dynamite combination for him as a head coach, Leslie Frazier, who's a tenured defensive coordinator. I think it's a perfect fit. He's a culture guy. He loves to do things in the community. Again, it's all about, it's all about numbers, right? 
we'd have to do some things to get it to work. We don't know what JJ's asking. We've seen some things come out saying that he wants close to what Houston was going to pay him this year. We've seen some things come out saying that he doesn't care about the money. Um, and then if he does care about the money, we're probably going to be out of the running at that point. And that's why people I think are leaning towards Cleveland because they have a lot more cap space as of right now, not saying that Brandon Bean can't do some things and make some things work uh, to get cap space, but that's a tall task, right? We completely revamped the defensive line this past season. Do we want to do it again and then have potentially the same thing happening? So we do need to improve the edge rush situation. We do need to get a guy that is athletic and dynamic to give Jerry Hughes somebody opposite of him so that they can both create pressure and they'll both be able to feed off of each other. Let me hit the comment section. Let me know what you guys think about that. Chris Janke, what's going on, bro? Haven't seen you in a bit. Welcome back, man. Thanks for watching. Uh, I'm going to get your comment up here too. One thing I like about Watt, he would move inside on passing downs. Um, JJ Watt is really plays really well against the run too. Highly something something that a lot not a lot of people talk about. They talk about his 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 immediate impact as far as in the passing game. But watch JJ Watt. If you guys have a chance, go and watch some Texans games against the run. He's really good as well. So he's one of those players. And this is the five guys I have. These I feel like are guys. And I'm not saying we're going to sign them all. I'm not saying we can get all of them. I'm not saying we can afford all of them. But if we are going to go after an impact player, we can't wait for the draft. We can't wait to hope that at 30, somebody's going to be there or in the second round or in the third round. We have to address this in free agency via signing somebody or trading somebody, restructuring our guys. We have to do it if we want to make an immediate impact on this season, because I'll always harp on what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just did to the Kansas city chiefs, because they did what we could not do twice this year, twice. So I'm going to hit the comment section. Michael Leonard says, love it. Uh, let's see. Dan Durant says, let's go Buffalo pass rush and running backs are what we need. Absolutely. And I'm going to have a whole show on running backs. I'm going to have a whole show on running backs. Here we go. This is perfect. Lone wolf. Mario Addison averaged eight and a half sacks a year the four years before he came to Buffalo, and look what happened. JJ in the same boat. I I don't I've, I don't feel like it. I I, I don't I, I I don't. You know if you, I think if you put JJ Watt opposite of Jerry Hughes, I think that makes Jerry Hughes ultimately a more dynamic pass rusher because we all know. And I'll get to Jerry Hughes uh, here. He's he's part of the show. Um, I, Jerry Hughes it leads the league seemingly or is in the top three in pressures every single year. It's just that he doesn't have somebody opposite of him, which we thought was Mario Addison creating havoc, cr you know, closing that pocket to where Jerry's coming one side and look at the years that we had Mario Williams. Jerry Hughes had back to back 10 sack seasons because of Mario Williams. He, the quarterbacks had nowhere to go. Um, and that that defensive line, including Kyle Williams and Mar Marcel Darius, those guys were all just sacking the quarterback all season long in 2014. So it is what it is. All right, Brooke, Dave, you do realize this isn't the only win Super Bowl window this team has, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But why wouldn't you do it now when you have so many guys on rookie contracts, right? I know we're building for the future and I know we want to build through the draft. But if we want to take the next step, we were so close this year. We were so close. Adding Stephon Diggs to that offense just took the offense to the next level. Why not add dynamic players on defense and take that defense back into the top 10, top five, and make some noise now? 
and have longevity. You can draft a defensive end and let him learn from J.J. Watt and Jerry Hughes. Kind of like A.J. Epinesa, right? You know, have these guys learn from veterans while you're getting production now. So that's just my take on it. I, I mean, you have all these guys that are coming up on these contracts like uh, Tremaine Edmonds and Josh Allen, and you got you to figure out what you're going to do. And you got them on these cheaper deals now. They're gonna get they're gonna get paid here in the next couple of years. So if you can do it while the iron's hot, you strike while the iron is hot. So I understand what you're saying though, Brooke. Here we go. My guy A Rich speaking facts. Even without sacks, JJ is better all around. And he will he will take the double teams that Mario Addison does not warrant. Let me say that again. JJ Watt will get double teams that Mario Addison doesn't warrant because nobody's afraid of Mario Addison. So think about that too. That's something outside the box. You got to think of that. JJ Watt is going to be such an eyesore for offensive line coaches to scheme against that other guys are going to be able to eat. Star Latule is coming back. So Ed Oliver might be able to get some more sacks now, right? Jerry Hughes might be able to get some more sacks now. So, and I'm not going to talk about what we're going to do with Quentin Jefferson and Vernon Butler and things like that, because that's going to be on the show when I talk about the defensive interior. So, all right, I got a super chat, super chat from Brooke. We don't want to get in cap hell mainly. I don't feel like the, the, with Brandon Bean as our general manager, that he would ever allow us to get into cap hell. This will be as close to cap hell because of circumstances that were unforeseen because of a pandemic. Um, you got to think that when we signed, you know, John Brown and Cole Beasley, and we did some other things with these guys, all the defensive linemen we signed before the 2020 season, we didn't foresee, Brandon Bean didn't foresee that there was going to be a pandemic and they were going to take $35 million off the salary cap. So it, it is what it is. I think Brandon Bean is going to be willing to work with what he has and make other things work. And we're going to see other guys that are going to become available. I have guys that are just available as of right now, as of February 17th, 2021. Well, about a month before uh, the league year starts, guys that are available now. Uh, there will be more guys. There will be cap casualties. We, we are starting to see things about players that are potentially getting cut and things like that. So it's, it's going to happen. So uh, let's go Bills Mafia, 21-22. All right, Brooks dropping. Brooks just dropping them all. She missed me. I've been gone for almost two weeks, and Brooks Brooks missed me. Start another super chat. Star might not come back. We don't know if the NFLPA will uh, opt out this season. That's true. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And my my fear is that Star. I haven't seen anything, heard anything, um, out of Star's camp or out of the Bills camp or anything saying that Star is not going to come back. The worst thing that could happen is if Star retires because of what's going on you know, in the nation, as far as the pandemic and things like that, um, because that's his choice. Obviously um, his health is important to him, um, which it should be, that should be his number one priority. All right, David Highland. I agree. DM three, our time is now uh, no time to wait to develop a pass rusher, whether it's Watt, Yannick or someone from a trade, we need to go for it now. And that's funny. You segued me right into my next player. And I'm not, again, I'm not advocating that we throw, money at every one of these guys. I'm just going with guys that are on a level that would be an immediate impact difference on this roster off the edge, right? So you brought him up, so I'm going to put him up. Yannick Ngakwe, 
right? As we all know, he played for the Vikings and he played for the Ravens last year after he was not happy with what was going on in Jacksonville. So PFF, and I'll, I'll put this banner up here because PFF um, somehow, some way, love PFF or, or hate PFF, has linked Yannick Ngakwe to Buffalo. They said that he's going to uh, be the guy that is going to fix their pass rush, uh, and they've thrown out incredible numbers of money, which I don't think that we would ever be able to afford unless we made a whole bunch of other stuff happen, right? So Yannick Ngakwe, um, he's 25. So plus side of that, he's very young. If you ever were to able to get Yannick Ngakwe, he's very young. You could, he could be part of your your youth movement, part of the future, um, four or five years you know down the road. He'll only be 26 once training camp starts. So, um, so that's a plus, right? He's five years younger than JJ Watt. Um, he's only missed three games in five seasons, so he's durable, right? We know we know that he's going to come every Sunday. Uh, he he's he's played almost a full season every season he's been in the NFL, right? Um, eight sacks in 2020. Now we know he was on two different teams. Uh, he played with the Ravens and the Vikings type deal. So there were some adjustments that would have had to have been made, but previous to that, he averaged 10 sacks a season, right? Everybody was clamoring for Yannick before 2020 saying that he was a guy that we, sh we should break the bank for. And he was a guy that would be a future, uh, defensive end on this team for as long as he wanted to be here. He was a generational talent. So I, we do, we just don't, we just don't know what the money looks like. Right. I, I, I feel like Yannick is impressive, but I feel like Yannick is a very streaky type edge rusher. I feel like he gets his sacks in lumps and then there's games where he's not around. Uh, if you watch any of the Vikings or the Ravens games from last year, there was times when he was, he, he was invisible. Like it didn't seem like they were creating any, he was creating any, any kind of pressure at all. So he's one of the guys that's available. PFF linked him to the Bills, so that's why I thought I'd bring it up. Uh, let me know what you guys think about Yannick. Lone Wolf right off, right off the rip right here. Yannick going to be too expensive. Uh, Akeem says, I like Yannick as a pass rusher. I don't know. 6'2", six, six, two, 245, 250 pound defensive end can hold up against the run. That's, that's, a, great, that's a great point. Um, and Lone Wolf, once again, seriously doubt there will be an opt-out option this season plenty of vaccines that's a really good point too and again i don't want to make the whole show about the pandemic and foreshadowing what's going on in the country right now because we all know that it's still happening but as the season kind of progressed i feel like the nfl did a really good job of you know all the parameters that were in place as far as protocols to get guys tested to get close contact guys you know put aside um, quarantining quarterbacks like the bills did with jake Fromm. i feel like having as many people as they did at the Super Bowl kind of showed, Hey, we've played a full 17 game season or full 17 week season. We had all the playoffs. We had the Super Bowl. We didn't have too many hiccups along the way. We had some, but we figured it out. It kind of worked. Now we have a whole off season to prepare again, possibly opening up more, uh, you know, more and more fans being allowed to come to games, things like that. So I'm, I'm not quite sure what the opt out thing is going to look like this year. We're going to find out here in the next couple months. So, uh, let's see. All right. So one of a Rich's favorite guys and one guy that I just, for some reason I cannot get on board with is Jadevian Clowney. Jadevian Clowney is an absolute freakish athlete. I'll never deny that. I, I just can't get behind paying a guy 
you know, 13, 15 million dollars to give me five sacks and he's fairly decent in run defense. Like I just I don't see what the huge like awe is by everybody when they talk about Jadavion Clowney. He had one really good season with Houston, one average season. I know he makes a lot of the guys around him better because he can do so many dynamic things as far as beating double teams and he play outside linebacker and, and do, he does all kinds of different things. And I, and I fully get that. I'm just not fully on board with Jadavion Clowney. Um, I mean, he missed, he's coming off of a season ending injury, right? He missed half the season last year, he had zero sacks in the eight games he played with Tennessee last year. Um, I know he was on a new team, things like that, but he wasn't creating any pressure. Uh, career high for sacks is nine and a half. And that, that was in 2017. Um, I believe JJ Watt, that was, if I'm not mistaken, 2017 was the year he had 20. I could be wrong. If someone can find, can fact check me um, in the comments, I don't have the stats right in front of me. Um, but he averages five and a half sacks a year for his career. And I don't know. That's, I mean, that's basically Jerry Hughes, right? We have Jerry Hughes. We have Mario Addison gave us more than that this past season. Um, I'm not saying Mario Addison's better than Jadeveon Clowney. I'm just saying if we're looking for a guy to get to the quarterback, because that was that was the biggest thing everybody hit home on in their their postseason pressers was we we just can't get to the quarterback. Um, I think you can find guys that can get to the quarterback and is and can also help in the run game. So let me know what you guys think. Chris Janke, I'm not a Clowney fan either. DM3, who would you rather have, Clowney or Yannick? Yannick, all day, twice on Sundays, game day. Just that That's just me. I, I know your love and obsession for for Clowney. He's just not – He just I just haven't seen very consistent signs of him just being a guy who can take over a game. I just I, I just don't see it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Cheaper, yes, better, no. I think he will be cheaper. Than than Yannick for sure, um, based off of age, he's three years older than than Yannick. Um, I think coming off of a season where he sat out almost the entire off season and was signed late into free agency with Tennessee, missing eight games because of of injury. I just he'll probably get like ten to fifteen million. Where Yannick's going to want, he's going to break the bank. He's going to want a four year seventy million dollar contract that the Bills just don't have. Um, will that come down because? Maybe his agent will wise up and say, hey, dude, nobody's got that kind of money. $18 million a year, it's not going to happen in 2020 or 2021. Maybe. We'll see. So, A. Rich says Clowney has something to prove. Uh, Hendrickson, yes. I do like him. He's not on my list because I was going for immediate game changers, and I just wanted to stick five to five guys that I knew that were going to be highly good discussion points. Um, I can go on and on. I have the full list of all every single defensive end that's a free agent. Um, guys like Everson Griffin. Um, there's other guys out there. There's a ton of guys out there um, that are that are free agents as far as defensive ends. So Chris Janky Clowney has had something to prove since 2017. You guys are going at it. I love it. Jamie Osgood says I'll take Yannick and and Pasty Clowney and, uh, against the run. And I'm not. I'm not. Hey. I agree with you. I'm not knocking Clowney, and and I like A. Rich's point about we can't think of just pass rush. We have to think about our run defense as well. But where we got, I believe, 
and this is just my my feeling where we got gashed in the run defense was up the gut. I feel like we didn't have star. There was no lanes for our linebackers to come to come freely to you know to create plays in the backfield. Um, I don't know if we need to add another dynamic linebacker. I don't want to get too far off topic, but I think you're right. Yannick is definitely a better pass rusher. Clowney is a de- definitely a better run stopper. If we could clone those two guys into somebody and, and make a miracle free agent happen, I'd love it. All right, so this guy here I put up here because he kind of resurrected his career when he went to the Colts, and you probably know who I'm talking about, and I don't know how well he would fit into our scheme, but he's a big name. He had a couple good seasons, and that is, of course, Justin Houston. We all know he left two years ago to go to, go to the Colts the Colts from the chiefs and people kind of were not heavy, not high on him. Uh, he wanted out of Kansas city and he had two really good back-to-back seasons. Um, not quite sure the scheme fit, but he he's 32. So he's the same age at that JJ Watt will be when, when the season starts, they'll both be 32, uh, 19 sacks in the last two seasons. You can't snip. You can't just, you know, gloss over that. You can't just not brush that aside. He's averaging almost double digits for the last two years. Um, And he was on a very younger Indianapolis Colts defense, and he performed all season long. Um, I I mean, for the last four years, he's averaging almost 10 sacks a game or uh, 10 sacks a season. Um, I do believe he's, he's pretty good in run defense. Now, again, he, he can play, edge or he can play outside he can play outside so it, it, it all depends on what we want to do and if he if he would be a scheme fit i think he might be a little too expensive but again it's 2021 he's going to be 33 pretty soon so maybe we can get him on a little bit of a cheaper deal um and i mean you talk about a guy who went to the colts was put on i don't want to say he's put on a snap count but he was put in the games in key situations to where he was set up to succeed, whether it be a third down definite passing situation, whether it be in the fourth quarter, he's been fresh all game because he hasn't played a ton of snaps and he excelled. And when I talk about Jerry Hughes here in a minute, I'm going to, I feel like that might be what we can do with Jerry Hughes because Jerry Hughes has a high motor all game long. He's getting more snaps than all the other defensive ends that we have. And I feel like if we can somehow bottle that up, and get him in those key situations and get his snap counts down a little bit, we could probably extend Jerry Hughes and get another year out of him, somehow work that, uh, restructure that contract, give him a signing bonus or something like that. So I'm going to talk about Jerry Hughes in a minute. Uh, Here we go. T-Dope, 768. People seem to believe the 2019 defense was definitely better, but 2020 hit a similar mark, in my opinion. Uh, we also have to look at competition, and and I know that me and A. Rich have talked about this back and forth before. We've, we played better caliber quarterbacks in 2020 than we did 2019. Uh, we had the, one of the toughest schedules in the NFL, so we were playing better overall teams as far as running the ball, passing the ball. So we played up, up against better defenses. So all, all in all, if you look at the caliber of the talent this defense won against, and you add in a ton of factors, no offseason, a pandemic, no preseason games, a two-week training uh, training camp, 
injuries everywhere. Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, Tredavious White, no star Latule. You know, all this stuff, you 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 take this all and you bottle it all up. And, and this is what happens. They started getting better towards the end of the season, and we thought heading into the playoffs, hey, all right, we we're we're hitting on all cylinders, right? We're beating the brakes off of everybody. Offense is performing. Defense is it looks like they're performing. They're they're from I think week eleven on through up to the first playoff game, I think we had the most turnovers in the league. If not, we were top three. So we were doing everything that was very reminiscent of 2019. You know, Sean McDermott's defense and Leslie Frazier's defense is predicated off of getting turnovers. It's not so much predicated off of creating pressure. It's getting those turnovers. And that's how it's been since McDermott and Frazier have been here. We didn't get that in the first half of the season. We were having shootouts with, with everybody, the Dolphins. We were having shootouts with the Rams. All these teams – and the defense looked like it had lost a step when in reality, nobody wants to talk about the fact that we had a whole new, you know, set of guys come in. You know, they weren't playing Trent Murphy. Mario Edison was new. Vernon Butler was new. Quentin Jefferson was new. You know, Starr was out. They moved over at Oliver. You know, we're, they were trying to figure all this stuff out. It doesn't just, you can't just snap a finger because we sign all these high talented free agents and make it work. It, it doesn't work that way. They have to get some continuity and get into a rhythm of playing together on top of the fact that McDermott has this massive rotation, you know, where we're dressing 10 defensive linemen every Sunday. And these guys aren't getting in rhythms. Guys that are used to playing, you know, 65, 70% of the snaps are now playing 40% of the snaps and they're not getting in rhythm. They're not working their moves. They're not mastering their craft throughout the game. And I think that it kind of, that's kind of what happened. So, all right, smash the like button, you guys. Um, if you're watching on Facebook, please share this. If you're watching on YouTube, please, please, please subscribe. Hit the bell so you get notified when everybody on Built in Buffalo goes live. And definitely smash that like button. My guy, Dan Mitchell. What's going on, brother? Good to see you. Good to see you, man. Sam Mazza, what's up? DM3, what's going on, bud? Good to see you here in here, man. All right, so, again, I'm somewhat dusting some, or, you know, knocking the dust off because I haven't been here in two weeks. Um, I got married. If you guys don't know, I got married on Saturday. Uh, that's why there was no Bill's allergy. Um, just had a ton of stuff going on. We're trying to move. We're trying to do all kinds of stuff. My studio wasn't even set up until about three o'clock today. I had to move all kinds of stuff around. So I got one last guy and I want everybody to hear me out on this one. All right. I want everybody to hear me out. And then I'm going to hit the comment section and I'm going to let you guys kind of gear the show before I hit the bills that are on my list of what are we going to do with these guys? So not a lot of people are talking about Bruce Irvin and I know he had a torn ACL and he only played two games last year, but I like Bruce Irvin. He's a little bit of a KG veteran. You know, he's 33. Um, by the time, He'll be 33 by the time the season starts and by training camp rolls around. I just feel like we can probably get him on a cheaper deal. And I think we can get more production out of him than we would get out of Mario Addison or Quentin Jefferson or Vernon Butler. I, I don't know. I'm not saying we completely retool the defensive line. I'm just saying he's sitting out there and I think he's still got something in the tank. Again, the ACL injury kind of, kind of concerns me a little bit, but that's just another name. Those are the top five guys that are the big name guys. Again, I could have went, you know, super deep and pulled up all. I think there's almost a hundred defensive ends across the NFL that are that are 
free agents that we can go after. Um, because like I said, off the top of the show, we need a star opposite of Jerry Hughes. Because if we have a star opposite of Jerry Hughes, I think we can make Jerry Hughes back into that 10 sack guy that he was back in 2013, 2014. If you guys think I'm crazy, let me know I'm crazy. You know? All right. I'm not going to say Kwan short. Um, I think that ship has sailed. You know, had some injury issues. Yeah, he's a two-time pro bowler. I understand that. I understand the Carolina connection. Bean was there when he was there. I, I get all that, but I, I don't know. I mean, we got Stour coming back. Um, I'm going to do a whole show on the defensive interior uh, because I think we have some some stuff that we need to figure out. T-Dope, I appreciate it, man. Sam Mazza, I appreciate it. David Highland, appreciate it. Roy Morris, I appreciate it. Swag. Andy Kowalik. Here we go. A Rich, Bruce Irvin actually reminds me of a poor man's Yannick, situational pass rusher that is affordable. That's my point. I'm not saying that he would come in and be a stud, right? He's just a name that popped off that could be what we wanted Trent Murphy to be. It's third and eight. It's definitely a passing down. Go after, go, go in there and get the quarterback. You know, you're playing a team like, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. They pass heavy. It's it's second in in sixteen. It's second in 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 fourteen. They're probably going to pass. Put Bruce Irvin in there and just play twenty snaps a game. You know, get him on like a four million dollar deal. I know, I know we're tight. I know we're penny pension, but I just think he's a guy that I'd rather have two Bruce Irvins than one Mario Addison, if that makes any sense. And I know we're stuck with Mario Addison. I'm going to get to him. In fact, you know what? Let's do him right now. Let's do Mario Addison right now so let me switch let me switch flip the switch here so mario addison's 33 when the season starts he will be 34 he had five sacks i know i said seven earlier i apologize five sacks in 2020 here's the deal with mario addison his agent is a genius okay he has four million dollars in dead cap if we cut him. That's guaranteed if he's on, I believe it's June 1st. Before, if we cut him before, it's $4 million. If we cut him after, it's $4 million. 2022, he has a $2 million dead cap hit. So it's not just this year, it's next year. So I don't think we're cutting ties with, with Mario Addison. I feel like there's really not much we can do with him. I don't think that Brandon Bean will sniff at trying to give him another year and restructure something, move money from this year to next year, give him a signing bonus. I'm not quite sure that's going to work. Uh, so we may be stuck with Mario Addison. And maybe, you know, I was pounding the table for Mario Addison. I liked what he did in Carolina. Nine and a half sacks every year for four years straight. You can't, you can't just, you know, sneeze at that. You can't just push that aside. I feel like that's something that was attractive, right? Um, I don't like the contract. And I don't feel like there's a way to get out of it. Uh, I don't know what we can do because I don't think we want to give him another year after getting five sacks uh, and all in close to $10 million this year, because I got to be honest, we had a guy on our roster that got paid $10 million and didn't do dick all when he played and he didn't hardly ever play inactive every single week. And that's Trent Murphy. And I was always that guy pounding the table to release Trent Murphy. 
And I had so much backlash from saying, just give him a chance. Look what he did against the Texans last year. He was good down the stretch last year. I gave everybody the benefit of the doubt. But Trent Murphy makes me think that Mario Addison's going to be Trent Murphy this year. We're just going to have a guy that we don't activate on game day that's getting paid $9.5 million because he's not doing anything. He's not, he's not producing. He's not pressuring the quarterback. So let me know what you think about that. Uh, I'm going to hit the comment section real quick because you guys are blowing it up. Again, midweek mindset Wednesday. We're always here Wednesday nights going forward. No more hiccups. Um, no more. I'm, I'm not getting married again, obviously. So I'll be here every week all the way throughout the rest of the season. Um, we're going to have a lot of stuff coming out for the draft. Uh, a rich is that's his wheelhouse. He's doing some scouting stuff, uh, free agency. That's my wheelhouse. Um, and again, I've seen a lot of shows talking about the salary cap. There's a lot of content out there about the salary cap. Um, some people pounding the table that they, you know, are experts in the salary cap. Some people saying that they don't understand the salary cap. They don't understand restructuring. They don't understand signing bonuses, dead cap. I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert, but I do know how to understand everything that I see when I want to do the research. So just know that you'll have some stuff coming out because we need to make some moves before we even think about trying to sign JJ Watt before we think about trying to do anything with any of these other free agents um, before we hit the league year, we can't really do much right now. So there's going to be some stuff that's going to have to get shuffled around. So uh, lone wolf. I appreciate you saying that I was wrong about Murphy. I feel dirty. Agreed lone wolf. You should feel dirty. I, I told everybody at the beginning of the season that I don't care what he did against the Houston Texans. He wasn't worth $10 million. That's just my opinion. All right. So Mario Addison, not much we can do. I don't think with him just because of his dead cap. I don't think Brandon beans willing to swallow that $4 million. Kudos to Mario Addison's agent because he absolutely set him up for his future. Next guy. And a guy that not a lot of people are talking about right now. And that is AJ Epinesa. I want to talk about AJ Epinesa because I firmly believe in AJ Epinesa. Um, I think that everybody, when the draft was rolling around last year, were kind of surprised he fell to the second round and concerned as to why he fell to the second round. Because I feel like he should have been a first round, he should have been a first round draft pick. But, Came into camp. They asked him to lose weight. He lost a little bit more than they asked him to. So he put a little bit back on, which as we all know, you need to be a little bit bigger, stronger to deal with 330 to 350 pound offensive linemen. He flashed. There were some signs when he flashed, I thought down the stretch as he got more comfortable with the speed of the NFL game. I feel like he flashed. He's 22 years old. That's that's the plus, right? He'll be 23 when the season starts. That's that's a plus. I think he only played like 15% of the entire snaps of the games he was actually activated. So we're not even talking about 15 snap percent of the snaps of the whole season of the games he was activated. Uh, you know, he had one sack. I mean, I like his motor. I think that he needs 
a veteran in that room that is going to give him every single damn pointer, trick, tip, whatever on how to watch film, how to beat guys, how to get different moves. I think I think they need guys because as you guys all remember, when Ed Oliver was a rookie before his first season, it was the season after Kyle Williams retired. And Kyle Williams was working with, with Ed Oliver. He was showing him, hey, this is this, this is that, this is this. And everybody got excited, right? Because everybody loves Kyle Williams. We don't, I, I don't know if Jerry Hughes is that guy to teach, or Mario Addison is that guy to teach AJ Epinesa, you know, swim moves or this or how, where your hands are supposed to go or how you set your feet or any of that stuff or what to look at pre snap. Like, I just, I don't know, but I'm, I, I like AJ Epinesa. I think we, he needs to get some more reps. I definitely think he needs to get some more reps. Uh, let's see, Sam Mazza. I like Addison. I just don't like his cap, his uncapability to wrap up along with the whole, the whole line can't finish. Hey, D line. I got you. I got you. And I agree. I agree. We have issues. Here's my thing too. And I don't want to spend too much time on not, you know, the, the, the edge rushers, because this whole, this whole thing is about what everybody wanted to talk about since we watched what Tampa did to, Patrick Mahomes just made him run his for his life. And I know it wasn't just the edge rushers. I know they were coming up the middle and they did some other things with, with DBs and safeties and stuff and linebackers, but we McDermott talks about fundamentals and habits, right? And I don't want to get on a soapbox, but McDermott always talks about fundamentals and habits, right? He wants to talk about tackling. He wants to talk about staying at home or getting home. He wants to talk about all these things, but yet, consistently we are one of the worst tackling teams in the NFL. We may have a great secondary. We may have a, a really good core of linebackers, but where we lack is tackling. And that starts with the defensive line and being able to wrap up run plays. Right. And it, yeah, I'm talking about defensive end play too, because if they're going outside and you can't get off your freaking block and make a tackle, that's a problem. And we had Shaq Lawson, and everybody wants to talk about Shaq Lawson in a negative way. Shaq Lawson, over the last few years, was one of the best run-stopping defensive ends that we had on this team. Wasn't the best pass rusher, but he knew when to get outside and make a tackle. He knew how to beat his blocks to make tackles. That's one thing I'll say about Shaq Lawson. And here's the thing, too, about Shaq Lawson, and I've said this before. So we didn't sign Jordan Phillips. And we didn't sign Shaq Lawson, right? We let them go test free agency. I'm not sure if it was a personality thing. Uh, I'm not sure if it was because Shaq Lawson wasn't drafted by the current regime. Um, but Jordan Phillips was brought in by Brandon Bean. So I'm not sure what it was. We brought guys in and paid them the same money that those guys made. And we got less production than we got from Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips led us in sacks. You went and signed Quentin Jefferson and Vernon Butler for more money combined, and we got less production out of those guys. Now, I know you probably brought him in to help with the run stop, but we didn't get that. We brought in Mario Addison for basically the same amount of money that Shaq got with Miami. We got less sacks from him and, and not nearly as good run defense. So it's just something to think about. You know, I mean, everybody wants to split hairs one way or the other about Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips, but we probably should have just kept him here. They're already in the system. 
You know, Shaq has had played in the system for a few years. Jordan Phillips played in the system for over a year. So, woo! Uh oh, Basil, what's going on, man? What's going on? Big facts. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't the biggest Shaq Lawson fan. I thought that he had issues getting to the passer, which is what today's show is about. But if you watch him, he, he was really good. I don't want to say he was a superstar at run defense, but anybody can you can watch film and see that he could beat his he could beat his blocks and make tackles in, in the run game. He was one of the brights, the bright lights of our defensive line that was not has historically been bad under Sean McDermott. You guys remember the New Orleans Saints game when they ran the ball like 117 plays in a row? and they ran for over 300 yards on us. The New Orleans Saints, yes, that was when they had Ingram and Kamara. But still, like historically, this team has been bad at stopping the run. And I know that this is about getting to the passer, and this is about setting the edge and about uh, certain things like that and finding pass rushers this offseason. But it goes hand in hand. you got to have a guy that can do both, right? you got to have a guy that can get after the quarterback and that can beat his blocks and make tackles in the run game. It, go, it goes hand in hand. So I don't want to get, I don't, I don't want to take, get, get too far off topic there, but yeah, I mean, I understand the state tax thing. I mean, it's a good point. Shaq took the deal from Miami, but I feel like the bills, I don't feel like the bills were going to ever offer him a contract. I really don't. I, I just don't. I feel like Brandon Bean with Shaq Lawson and with Jordan Phillips was like, they're, you know, they've earned the right to go test free agency. Well, have they? I mean, why don't you say, hey, we want you to stay here? You know, Jordan Phillips, we resurrected your career. You were released from Miami after a couple years of just subpar play. You came here, had almost a double-digit sack season. And, you know, we'd like we'd kind of like you to stay around for a while. You're the future, you want you want to help build this thing. And they let they let him go to Arizona. They let Shaq go to Miami. So, all right, moving on. I'm gonna get off my soapbox. Yeah, Shaq was the last one left. You're absolutely correct. All right. So let's talk about another guy not a lot of people are talking about. And that's Daryl Johnson. A lot of people like Daryl Johnson. I'm one of them. He's a large, large man, very athletic for his size, contributes a ton on special teams. He's a beast on special teams. For a man his size to play special teams and contribute the way he does um, is absolutely insane. Now, he he started zero games at defensive end. Every game that he played, he, he he's special teams, right? He had one sack this past year. Uh, I think he had one sack the previous season too. So he's he started zero games at defensive end uh, because we have all this money tied up in Mario Addison and Trent Murphy and Jerry Hughes and these other guys, right? High draft pick and Ed Oliver. So we have our defensive line. He didn't have a chance to get in there and start, right? I feel like he needs to get a look. I mean, I know he's a late round draft pick. I'm not saying he's the answer. I'm just saying, I think that he can be more than just a special teams player. I feel like he's not been given an opportunity because of everything else we have. Now that could go hand in hand. That could be because they don't think that he could be that guy that can, you know, be a 30 snap a game guy because he's just not showing that in practice. We don't, we're not privy to that. We don't see that. So I, I just, I don't know. I just think that 
We need to give him some more. I, I like him. I like what he brings to the team. He's athletic. He's quick. I remember preseason 2019, he had some nice moves coming off the line. I thought he was quick as shit, and I thought that he'd be able to be a good depth player, but we don't. We, we didn't really see much of him. So, uh, Elliot Eisler, what's going on, brother? DM3, offseason MVP. Thank you, my guy. Thanks for watching, bro. I appreciate it. You're always here. That's another regular. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I, I like I said, I don't I don't think he's I'm just going over everybody, all the defensive ends that are currently on the roster. Mike Love's on there too. I didn't bring him up because I think he's just one of those guys that's kind of either practice squad or an like emergency break glass like roster call up for game day. Um, although I like Mike Love, but I agree with you. And then Last but not least, under contract, we have Jerry Hughes. I'm going to spend some time on Jerry Hughes, so I hope you guys can bear with me because I've I've kind of I've had an epiphany on Jerry Hughes. I've had somewhat of an epiphany on Jerry Hughes over the course of probably the last season and a half. Um. Part of it's because I kind of feel bad for Jerry Hughes because he's getting these pressures, right? He absolutely got, I believe, he absolutely got Jordan Phillips paid. I, I believe that Jordan Phillips was absolutely, was able to feast off of what Jerry Hughes was was doing to quarterbacks. He was pressuring them into stepping up into the pocket or off to the, pressuring them back or off to the side, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, Jordan Phillips was there to clean it up. Right. Um, and that's one thing with Shaq Lawson that was, was never able to happen. Like, you know, or Trent Murphy, like Jerry Hughes is, is pressuring the shit. He's beating his guy like seemingly all the time, like every, every game, all the time he's beating large, massive like tackles because of his motor. He's quick as shit. He's very athletic but he's not getting sacks because there's nothing coming from anywhere else. Like no one's closing a pocket with him. It's all him pushing a quarterback to the outside, but there's no, there's no contain on the other side. So a quarterback's just going to roll out and throw on the, on the run, you know, like what Patrick Mahomes did against Tampa where he wasn't able to roll out anywhere because if he rolled out to the right, someone was there. If he rolled out to the left, someone was there. If he did that against the bills, he'd be able to just roll out, wherever Jerry Hughes wasn't and just have free reign, like watch the air. Okay. So the NFL, and this is going to piss me off. The NFL is showing their top 100 plays. And as we all know, during the NFL award show, uh, the Saturday before the Super Bowl, the goddamn Hale Murray got the NFL play of the year. Right. So we're going to see that all off season, right? Because we haven't seen it enough instilled in our freaking brains. Watch the line. When Kyler Murray rolls out, there is no one there. They absolutely, I, I can't remember if it was Mario Addison or if it was Quentin Jefferson, took the, the absolute worst angle on Kyler Murray. And this has nothing to do with Kyler Murray's speed because he just, he, he flat out just rolled out and was able to just keep rolling out, keep rolling out until Nuke was able to just keep running, keep running, keep running. And that's what I'm talking about. We need guys that put the fear of death into quarterbacks to roll out one way or the other. And we just don't have that. We just don't have that. So back to Jerry Hughes, right? Because now I'm getting off on a tangent. So 
back to back to Jerry Hughes. I feel like he is a candidate for a restructure and add another year. Because maybe not this year, but if you add another year and you push some money into 2022, make it a signing bonus, make it whatever you want, however Bean wants to, re to restructure it. Not taking a pay cut overall, but moving things around. I feel like Jerry Hughes can be a situational pass rusher, kind of like what I was talking about with Justin Houston. I feel like the motor he has, you keep him fresh all game long and tell him in the third and fourth quarter, just go get the goddamn quarterback. And I think Jerry can do it. But we have to have somebody on the other side. We have to have somebody on the other side. I'm going to show this play because this play right here, it was against the Denver Broncos, and you guys all know what play it is, right? Jerry Hughes, if you think that Jerry Hughes doesn't have anything left in the tank, watch this. This is insane. First off, great play by Trey on this. Trey, Trey, Trey's ridiculous. I don't have a whole show on cornerbacks, but Javius White's ridiculous. So look, look at this. Just, I, I mean, absolutely looks better than both running backs on our team avoiding tackles. A absolutely insane. The athleticism that that took to avoid not just all those tackles, but pick the ball up, have your wherewithal for where you are on the field. And I, I just, I feel like Jerry Hughes is so undervalued by not just the Bills Mafia, the, the fan base as a whole, but just in the NFL, like I, I don't feel like he ever gets the credit he deserves. The guy is trying to kill the quarterback every play. He's getting no help. And I'll always harp back to 2013 and 14 when Mario Williams and him both double-digit sacks for both of them. They both they were eating every game because if it wasn't coming from one side, it was coming from the other side. We just don't have that. So I don't want to get into the draft. I know we can address getting a defensive end in the draft. I wanted to talk more about immediately impacting 2021, getting a guy that we can get. And I'm I'm going to go out there and tell you that I, I, I was pounding the table for J.J. Watt. Like after he gave that press conference and said, my teammates basically suck. You don't fucking practice. You don't come with your big boy pants on when it's game day. I'm the only one that's doing it, and it's bullshit. And I, I felt like right then and there, I hashtagged a whole bunch of shit on Twitter, free J.J. Watt. And everybody was like, dude, $17.5 million cap hit. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And then what happens? The Houston Texans franchise is a complete clusterfuck, and they don't know how to run an organization. They got a brand-new general manager who doesn't, who seemingly doesn't understand what's happening. The Bills have a guy that used to work for the Houston Texans that's in the Bills' front office. I'm just throwing things out there. And, you know, it's just there's there's too many things that would be a positive if you put a list together, and it's not being a homer. It's being a realist for him to come to Buffalo. There's too many positives that outweigh all the other teams. Cleveland, sure, they have the cap money if he wants to play for money, but I'm pretty sure he's good there. I'm pretty sure he'll take a nice friendly deal to get on a team that was four quarters away from the Super Bowl. That with a couple different schemes against the Kansas City Chiefs playing a different way, we might have been in the Super Bowl. Okay. He's got 
a young quarterback. You know, he's not, you know, Aaron Rodgers, who's been in two straight NFC championship games and has lost both of them, right? Who's on the better half, second half of his career, the, the towards the end of his career, right? Chicago, I feel like they, they backdoored into the playoffs and they're kind of in the middle of not a rebuild, but they're still trying to figure things out at the quarterback position, things like that. Um, then you want to talk about other teams. I, I just don't feel like there's the culture in Buffalo, right? Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, the culture that this defense would have, right? Gets to play along a, a, a young core of players that he can teach. The community of Buffalo and Bills Mafia would absolutely welcome this guy with just open arms, and he'd probably get a million dollars donated to his charity after being signed. The training facility that the Bills have is the best in the NFL. Players have marveled over this thing for the last two years, that it's just above and beyond anything they've ever seen as far as free agents, right? He's never been a free agent before. So he's going to talk to other players. He's going to talk to probably Bill's players that he may know because they have the same agents or they've come across each other out, you know, in the real world. And it just, I think there's just too many things. I mean, the bills, the bills are an up and coming team. If you look at all the, the, Way too early power rankings, way too early schedule predictions, way too early. The Bills are in top five in all of them, every single major one. Any, any news me media outlet you can think of, the Bills are top five. Some of these other teams aren't sniffing the top 15, top 10. Um, and then just, I mean, like I said, culture, he's, J.J. Watt is freaking process. J.J. Watt has process written all over him. Come in here, work hard, bring your lunch pail every single day, Teach these guys your work ethic. Teach these guys how to be hard-nosed, physical, dominant players. And I think that's what it is. So, I mean, I, I'm, you know, a, a lot of things are going to have to happen for any of this stuff to happen that I talked about in any of these free agents. So I would hate to be Brendan Bean right now. He's going to have to do some, some dazzling with these contracts. He's going to have to work some magic. But... There's guys that we don't have to ultimately release. Like I've seen everybody talk about we have to release a whole bunch of guys. We don't have to do that. I think there's a few guys that are on the cusp of, hey, maybe we'll take a $2 million cap dead cap hit to save $8.5 million. Here's the thing, too. I don't know if Brandon Bean wants to set a precedent with this organization that, hey, we just signed all these guys, and now we're going to release all these guys. I understand that there's a cap you know, situation in the entire NFL because of the pandemic, but we don't want to be known as that team that just completely revamps our defensive line again because we can't afford them because of production, because we just signed them all. Now we're going to get rid of them all. That's, you know, I don't know, but that's just me. I do think that uh, Buffalo is a place that is actually a free agent destination now. Um, it just kind of sucks that 2021, we have literally no money. We're actually negative right now. So, Either way, some things are going to have to happen to get up some to free up some salary cap space. Um, the next show I do next week, I'll do the defensive interior, uh, so that way we can kind of tie those together with this week's show and with next week's show. Oh yeah, I probably should have told you the league year starts March seventeenth. I think Lone Wolf just threw that in there. Yeah, the league year starts March seventeenth. So 
I think for a couple weeks, unless we sign JJ Watts somehow, um, we're, it's going to be kind of quiet as far as player acquisitions. You'll probably start to see by the end of February um, and the beginning first week of March, you'll probably start to see some teams releasing guys, uh, especially teams that are in really bad cap, you know, situations. The Bills are about the, they're right in the middle. Um, and then there's teams like the Jets, the Colts, the Browns who have a bunch of money. So it seems like the Browns have a bunch of money every single year. I don't know how that works, but I feel like every year they have the most cap space. It's, it's insane because <coughs> they're not losing a ton of guys, but I'm going to leave it right there. If you haven't smashed the like button, please smash the like button. Um, I went a little bit longer than I wanted to. Um, I, I just wanted to get some some quick guys out there. Bill's Algae will be back on Saturday. Me and A. Rich will have a full show for you guys. I'm back in the swing of things. Again, I took a couple weeks off because I got married, had some personal stuff, but it's over. Wedding's over. I'm a married man. I'm happy as shit. I want to be back here doing videos. I'm going to start doing pre-recorded videos again. So you guys are going to see my ugly face all over the place. It's going to be everywhere. So... I appreciate you guys. If you guys don't have anything else, I'm going to head out. Don't forget, like, share, subscribe, do all that good stuff. If you guys aren't following us on Facebook and you're watching this, please follow us on Facebook. If you guys haven't checked out our Instagram, if you guys haven't checked out our Twitter, it's all right down here, right down below here. Um, and if you guys ha are watching on YouTube and you haven't subbed yet, please subscribe to our channel. Um, and again, I thank Bam for that dope intro. Uh, I thank Cam for hooking me up with Bam. Uh, my guy, A. Rich, I know he's watched this entire show. I appreciate you uh, and everybody else listening to me ramble on and on. Again, we need pass rushers. We need to get after the quarterback. Tampa Bay, I'll say this. I'll stick around for a minute. Tampa Bay exposed Kansas City. If you are physical, not just up front, but if you're physical with their playmakers, they cannot do a whole lot. That game was not a one-off. That game was not a one-off. They took two weeks to prepare for that game, and they did a hell of a job. So the Bills need to take notes because they beat us twice. So we need to take notes heading into 2021. All right, love you guys. I'm glad to be back. I ain't going nowhere again, promise. And uh, I'm DM3. This is Built in Buffalo. If you guys don't know us, as my guy A. Ritz says, get to know us. And I will see you right back here Saturday night, 9 p.m. Bill's Algae. Peace.